You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. I hope you've got your feet up and enjoy some downtime. It is time for Counterpoint. We're joined by Anthony Fury of SunPost Media, columnist, and of course, Bob Richardson. He is senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Hey, guys. Hello. Good evening. All right, let's start with Miss Andrea Horvath because she finally came out of hiding today. And um, here is what she said. Whether it's a Mulrooney, whether it's a Ford, you know, whether it's the same old Brown, uh, the, the bottom line is this is a party that can't get its house in order, that's fighting amongst itself, uh, that's rife with, uh, I mean, really, that can't even decide what it, what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't even know what it is anymore. Yeah, a lot of people could probably say that about Miss Horvath. But, you know, she is saying that she's going to fix wait times, buy back Hydro One and offer more public services. Uh, Bob, I'll start with you because um, I'd love to know how she's going to pay uh, less even just buying back Hydro would cost like a kajillion dollars. Well, I think, number one, I thought it was a good day for Andrea Horvath. I thought she looked good. I thought she looked smart and confident and was the first time that the NDP looked even remotely ready to campaign. Uh, I think she put out the framework for what their campaign is going to be. But she's been no more or no less intellectually honest than certainly three three out of four of the Conservative candidates uh, so far who who have blown up their party platform and left a billion-dollar hole in it. So uh, so there should be no self-righteous rhetoric, if I can put it that way, from the right. Uh, And the Liberals haven't put out their platform and costed it yet, too. So... I think she's. Uh, I think it's fair for her to be given a little bit of time. I think she should be held account, and I think there should be a full costing of her platform. But it's early uh, yet when you're 104 days out. I think she showed that there was a sign of life there, and uh, I think she may be tougher in the campaign than people think. Alex, what is exciting, what is interesting about what Andrew Horvath said? I mean, she's been around for multiple campaigns, I think just because nobody really wants the job, so nobody's trying to push her out. She's saying, I'm going to buy back Hydro, to your point, I... T- you know, the the barn door is closed on that one. Maybe it was a bad call in the first place. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what's exciting about this. And the one thing you can say about the PC leadership race, it's exciting. People want to know what these people have to say. And I don't just mean exciting in the salacious sense, where there's certainly a lot of tabloid fodder yeah. going on there. But people feel like there's something big at stake here and that this PC leadership race is very likely, very possibly selecting the next premier, which is why the stakes are high. So, I'm just kind of yawning at that. I will take issue with something Bob said when he said this billion-dollar hole. Bob's probably referring to the fact that they don't want to do the carbon tax, that the People's Guarantee has a you know two to six billion uh, liability on, depending how you look at it. Doug Ford, Christine Elliott, they've said, and they don't like to use this word, but this is what they mean. They're they're going to find cuts. They're going to find reductions. So they say they're going to actually uh, manage the balance sheet. And when Doug says it, I believe him. Yeah, I mean, look, the one thing I I would beg of any of the leaders is, can they just please be a conservative? I mean, you know, Bob, let's let's just be a conservative, run as a conservative, and put concise and clear uh, pocketbook issues forward for people to vote on. Well, I agree with you on that. I, you know, and I think to a certain extent, you know, my gut tells me Doug Ford probably is the one who's probably best at looking to do cuts like that. Uh, Christine Elliott probably has more experience and understanding of the Ontario government to do it. Uh, I, I don't think Caroline Mulroney probably, uh, Caroline Mulroney has had more than one or two staffers in her life. Uh, I'm not even sure she stepped foot in the legislature before, so find it kind of interesting that somehow or other she's going to be an expert and be able to find one or two billion dollars. I have trouble believing that one. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, there's a big hole there. 
And that's the sort of rhetoric that politicians use all the time. And it's and it's usually less and less credible as uh, as time goes on. But what, OK, so what does Andrea Horvath then um, campaign on? Because she has really been outflanked by Kathleen Wynne over and over and over again. And no matter what she puts forward, it will be cherry picked by uh, the liberals closer to the campaign. But, you know, I do think she's smart when she says I will address the wait times because it's such a big issue in this province. But again, yeah, Alex, you're right. But Doug Ford tells some really passionate stories about this. And what's interesting when you pay attention to Doug when when he's doing the bigger campaign speeches and the events, he talks about going after the left wing vote. And he's telling the lunch bucket crowd and the union folks in Steeltown, come on board. You know, this is a campaign for you. And he actually brings up a lot of the wait times and talks about Rob being in the hospital. And his, and I think his mom had to go into the hospital for something recently. He talks about those stories. So does Andrew Horvath genuinely believe this is an issue? Yes. Is it genuinely an issue? Yes. But who's going to inspire? And I think the big problem with Andrew Horvath is you just kind of yawn when you watch her talk about, you know, nice lady, but I, I don't get what will make anyone, to your point, least of all a, a socialist or a left-wing union person, I go, yeah, yeah, that's my person, and really get all excited. I, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, Bob, it, that's a big issue for me is the long-term care for seniors, you know, having lost my stepdad to dementia and, you know, he dying on a waiting list for 14 months. I mean, it was just dreadful. And, and our generation is now paying for our parents to have to have care. And, you know, there's a real there is a real vote to get there with senior care in this province because it is just so woeful. You know, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I think the truth of the matter is the Liberals have done actually a pretty good job overall on the health care issue in the last 15 years. Seven thousand more nurses, whole variety of hospitals that have been updated. Good job on the medical school particularly in the north, which has produced a lot of doctors in the north in rural areas. Bob, all the scandals are on the health file. And have brought down wait times for a variety of elected surgery. There's a huge growth in the the seniors' population. Haven't done enough there. A lot more that needs to be done. But uh, they've also done a lot of good things in terms of the health care system, if we're going to be fair and do a fair analysis here uh, of, of the whole situation. No question that there still is a lot, lot more to do. That's where you get your $2 billion from, healthcare, not from frontline service, but from all this orange e-health scams that's been going on the well, past years. e-health is now up to $8 billion, and it still doesn't work. Yeah, pe- people think it doesn't exist anymore because it's not in the headlines. Drive along the 401, you still see Orange's nice, fancy office. I mean, there's still there's still a lot of good people doing actual good work for Orange, but all this managerial class BS is still happening for sure. Let me uh, bring up uh, Caroline Mulrooney because uh, you, you brought her up, Bob. She kind of seems to be straying from the other candidates going on her own narrative, which is to go after Patrick Brown and, you know, wedge her competition uh, that they are working with Brown to get his um, his membership. Is this a good strategy for her? Well, look, I've run several leadership campaigns and uh, I, I think it's a dumb strategy in a multi-candidate race. Uh, with multiple candidates. Uh, uh, Those races are about, as I think I said it before, they're about love, not war. And uh, you don't usually go and attack candidates. You try to build bridges to them so you can get their vote on the second ballot. I think, too, she brought up the issue of, of, of character. And I think it's a bit rich coming from somebody who's close to being a tourist in Ontario, uh, who's done no public service yet in Ontario, not a single day. And she comes here via, you know, the Upper East Side and the Hamptons, and she's crapping on a woman who has 25 years experience in Ontario. I think she's getting perilously close to the line of a good drubbing, and she ought to be careful. Let me play a clip quickly of what she said earlier today. 
we have also said we need to have a process in place so that he, the people involved can come forward. This is a very this is the news has changed quite a bit over the last few weeks, right. uh, the last few days, and um, the, this leadership race though is not the place to clear his name. So she's talking about Patrick Brown uh, being the subject of a of an eth- or an investigation as far as the integrity. Um, investigation is going but look the problem i think for caroline is that she lacks conviction it's it's hard to kind of get behind her bingo i think that's the big issue i can see why a couple hundred people would max out their donations for caroline Mulroney. it's unclear to me why a, a few thousand people though would sign up and join the party and, and get excited about her alex that's that's sort of the big challenge right there and when she points out i don't think patrick brown should enter the race that makes it look like she's afraid of him. Tanya Granick allen she says, I want him in the race. I want him at the debate and I want to tear a piece off of the guy because yeah. I'm so frustrated at him. Good on her for saying that. The other problem with these tweets and these sort of press releases that have come out, they are fighting words. And they are words that I think are put in her mouth by other people because she is not presenting as a fighter. So when she actually gets up there toe-to-toe, mano-to-mano with Patrick Brown, is she actually going to say these things to his face with conviction, to use your word of choice? Is she going to say the things she's tweeting about Christine Elliott to Christine Elliott? Hell no. Yeah. and, well, and Bo- to, go ahead. Anthony, to your point, she stumbled over the line attacking Christine uh, right. today, uh, which I saw. on, And she just seemed uncomfortable and it seemed inauthentic. Well, because, you know, I've gotten to know her. It, it is not in her to be an attack dog. That's just not who she is. So I almost wish she would just kind of follow her gut and just be who she is because she's a really lovely woman. And, you know, you don't get the you don't get the feeling that she's had everything handed to her. She's got privilege in her life for sure. But she's a smart woman. She does a lot of charity work and she hasn't really, you know, she doesn't come off as she's abused um, her, her, her influence and, and opportunity. I agree. But again, she, and, and, and I just don't think she's ready. I, I don't know her at all. Mm-hmm. My sense, just observing, she strikes me as very smart, mm-hmm. uh, competent. She strikes me; she's probably kind of fun, mm-hmm. uh, and I think she would be a, an interesting person. I do not think she's a serious candidate to be premier of Ontario, based on her experience and based on the pre- uh, period of time that she's been in Ontario. That's not to say that she could not be a serious candidate in three or four years from yeah. now. But uh, I think this run is uh, too fast. Yeah, not enough experience. And frankly, her opponent in this uh, leadership is not her opponent. Her opponent is time. Yeah. People don't know her, and she needs to be out there getting her name known better. Yeah, a couple of years in Queen's Park, and I think she would be a much different candidate. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. We're going to break it there, and when we come back, we'll talk about um, you know the economies roaring along, apparently, but food prices on the rise. We're starting to see job losses. Is this going to come back to bite Kathleen Wynne? We'll talk about that next, coming up here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Anthony Fury joining me as well as Bob Richardson. And let's talk a little bit about um, some prices that have uh, numbers that have just started to come out. Food prices are on the rise at restaurants. So we're starting to see the, uh, you know, the, the expenses starting to go up on menus. We had big job loss numbers in January. And there are economists that some say, mm, we won't say it now, but I spoke with one today and he'll be on a little bit later, that this is directly linked to minimum wage. Is this going to be a problem, Anthony, for Premier Wynne in, in June? Yes and no. It'll be a problem for the people who feel the negative repercussions 
and it won't at all be a problem for the people who aren't feeling it. So, for example, with all the major hydro issues, people who are on natural gas in certain urban areas always say, what are these headlines about hydro? They're just not really bothered about it. Meanwhile, you have all these other people who I would say, like they talk about in the Rust Belt in the U.S. and, and elsewhere, we do have forgotten men and women in Ontario. Mm-hmm. They are feeling this a lot. The minimum wage increases. If you are one of the chosen few who has gotten this increase and has not seen a negative uh, ramification, lost hours or losing your job, you're probably going to be feeling pretty happy about it. So I think it's running the numbers and seeing who actually benefits from this kind of uh, micromanaging of the economy and who's negative to it. And I guess how does that break down riding by riding? Yeah, I mean, Bob, we, we saw that wind got a slight bump, uh, you know, when this went in, but it was with the lower class uh, voters. But she did lose support at the top in the $80,000 to $100,000 uh, bracket. So she managed to take over, I think, people from Andrea Horvath's camp who, who like this and, and think it will work for them. But it, there is this risk that at some point it's going to start to hurt all of us. Well, you know, I think the jury's out yet, whether this is going to be a positive or a negative. Uh, For instance, there was a big job loss number in January. Some people said it was a result of the minimum wage. Some people didn't, including the Scotiabank, who said, frankly, it had more to do with, you know, seasonal uh, employment adjustments. So, you know, I think when you hear stuff like that from a bank, you you combine that with, frankly, a robust job market out there. Cities like Brantford have full employment or you're below 5% unemployment. And also sometimes some of the minimum wage opponents kind of overplay their hand. I think she'll get a, you know, quote, get away with it. And I think she'll be in good shape. Other times, you know, if you talk to a lot of small business people, they're hurting out there. Mm-hmm. And it's the combination of everything in the labor law that's really uh, creating a lot of uh, costs and consternation for them. If that starts coming to the floor, uh, you know, to the floor, she's got a problem on her hands. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Bob's right to say it's too soon to tell because you have all these unintended consequences coming into the pit and how do you kind of analyze them and see how they affect different interests and different individuals. But uh, also, I think the minimum wage increase is just one more in a list of a number of things that have been happening in the past few years that have these negative repercussions on individuals and consumers and on small businesses and so forth. And you put that all into the all into the machine that calculates these and uh I think we're looking at probably more people who are worse off than there are people who are better off. Yeah, I mean, look, Patrick Brown has taken up much of the headlines for the past three or four weeks. And then you've got Trudeau, who's been taking all the headlines. But minimum wage has kind of gone by the wayside. So it might be that we're just not hearing about the stories right now because all the news cycles are are in the political scene right now. Yeah, but if it has really hit people's life day to day, that becomes the story. The hydro stuff from last year was so raw and so real. There were people dumpster diving. There were people maxing out their credit cards because of this temporary alleviation that that the liberals have done where they've sort of kicked a few billion down the can for years to come that has backed off a little minimum wage we'll see if there are people who are starting to stand up and shout and say i'm being hurt by this yeah because bob i'd be concerned because i think if it's going to start people are going to start feeling it they're going to start feeling it in may or june yes and uh, that would make me a little nervous if I was one of the organizers of the Liberal campaign. Certainly, because, you know, if you're in the lower class margin and you're on a real budget and you're going grocery shopping and all of a sudden things like formula, diapers, uh, produce, those things are just way out of your budget and you have to really cut back and they're already cutting back. That's when you start to feel the real hurt. 
Yeah, and we're seeing that mostly in a lot of rural neighborhoods, yeah. and I'm not too sure what the strategy is going to be there for the Liberals to bring these people on board, because you found, I, I wrote a lot of profiles a year ago on mom-and-pop stores that shut down because of a whole bunch of different elements attached. Hydro prices, prices were the straw that broke that back, but there have been other issues. I wonder, is minimum wage going to, and, and as Bob says, even in the months ahead, right during the election, going to break the back on some of these other businesses? Uh, that's a negative thing for local economies. How does that actually affect these these writing breakdowns electorally? I would imagine many of these writings are already PC writings or those NDP writings more up in northern Ontario. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the Ham- Halton, Halton, not Hamilton, Halton Catholic District School Board, because they've just passed a motion that its schools are now only allowed to give charities that follow Catholic values. So any uh, school that or organization that would support and give financial donations to things like uh, abortion, contraception, sterilization, all of that, um, they, they will no longer support. And I, I, I'm wondering, Bob, do you think this comes uh, you know, to light after the prime minister announced that Christian groups could only get funding for the summer programs if they support pro-choice values? Well, full disclosure, I'm a Catholic. Second of all, <laughs> I went to school in Oakville, so I can talk a little bit. The Halton District School uh, Separate School Board two or three times a year is wacko and has been for about 10 years. <laughs> it's a bit of a rogue board. There's a couple of good people on it, a guy like Paul Marai, who's a reasonable progressive uh, Catholic, but it's been held hostage on what I would call the wacko set for years. And you just Google them. There's all sorts of different art- articles. They have become, in my opinion, the poster boy for getting rid of the Catholic school system in Ontario. You know, just not enough people uh, spend time and focus on their trustees. You see that in Toronto with the Toronto District School Board, which is sort of at the other end of the spectrum. And you see it with uh, these guys who are just involved too much in social engineering, either on the right or on the left. And they all need to go, in my opinion. So I think it's an idiotic decision. I think it's not representative of what is a very moderate, modern Catholic community in Halton um, throughout Oakville, Burlington, Milton. And, uh, you know, I just think we see this two or three times a year, and this is just yet another manifestation of that. Uh, look, Alex, I think individual schools should be able to determine where their donations go or even the 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 uh, the, the, the student uh the student council should be able to make these determinations. So I don't like the idea of the board micromanaging from top down. But I, I would challenge what Bob's saying to ask what exactly is not modern about saying we only want to give it to Catholic charities, because there are Catholic charities that do work in all sorts of societies, all, all sorts of different social issues. So you can hit all elements, all elements of society by only giving to Catholic charities, and we full well know there are many other communities and, and and different ethnic and immigrant communities and other religions where they are only giving to their own charities as well. So I, I, I don't really see the problem here from that angle. It's public school. It's public money. It should be spent within the rules of spending public dollars, period, full stop. I mean, if... Uh, They're private, donations. It's not public it, money. Uh, it's public money, if the Halton School Board is giving donations to certain groups or doing things of that nature, it's I'm presuming it's taxpayers' money that they're going to give to various organizations. So look, there should be rules that are clear about that. There should be rules established by the province. If you're a public sector organization, you follow the rules across the board, whether you are in the public system or the Catholic system, period. Well, that would be my view. I, I can guarantee you one thing. It will not be brought up as an election issue. That we know. (laughs) All right, guys, I got to leave it there. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. Bob Richardson, Anthony Fury joining us for this CounterPoint. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.